Hey, we're live! Oh, shit. Hey, hey everybody! Hey, <clears throat> I apologize in advance for having to look at us this week. Yeah, <clears throat> we're sorry. So this is the pre-show, actually. Uh, you're getting a sneak peek if you're not a subscriber of whatever thing you subscribe to us on now. Uh, while we're still getting this stuff up and running. Yeah, we're gonna have much of a pre-show. I might turn this light off. Uh, leave it on. I think we just need to angle it differently. Stay right there. Stay right there. I'm gonna stay. You stay right there. Stay right there. I want to move the light. Hi guys. While he's fixing the light, I'm gonna talk to you about the Nintendo Direct today. Holy shit! Huge news. Um, they announced Mario Maker 2, which I'm super excited about. They also announced a port of Legend of Zelda. Link's Awakening, they are doing a 2.5D HD remake, basically kind of ground up, similar to Resident Evil 2, and doing, uh, they're porting a 26-year-old Game Boy Color game all the way up to the Switch. It's going to be, like, 2.5D, kind of like Super Mario 3D. Oh, oh that was a dark lamp. It's this. There we go. Let me turn that off. Holy crap, that's so much better. You think so? I think so. Okay. Because I think we're, we're, we're well backlit at that point. Uh, but yeah. Um, so Link's Awakening, and you've also got Mario Maker 2, which Mario Maker 2 is going to have like stuff from 3D. It's going to have all four games. <laughs> it's going to have now all... spooky stories to tell the dark, sir. It's going to have all four of the, uh, the ones from... Uh, the first one, which is Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario World, Super Mario Brothers 3, and um, New Super Mario Brothers. But they're also adding in um, 3D World. It looks like they're going to be bringing in some stuff from Mario 2. All stuff like, if you've listened to the show, you've heard me rant about how much I love Mario. Ma or Mario Maker specifically. So I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited to have it on like an on-the-go type place. The type thing to do, so... So you're fine. I'm just thinking about lighting. <laughs> He's thinking about lighting. I'm. Uh, Here, this will make it better. Oh, God. <laughs> no one needs to see us in that level of light. Actually. Damn it. Ooh, what if we just put it on the floor? Well, I was thinking if we put a weird. Well, not weird. Compass right now. Hmm. It's stuck on something. Well, oh, yeah. Okay. I think we finally found it. This has been Lighting 101 with Talk Nerdy Tube. Mm -hmm. Also, John telling scary stories in the dark and uh, me ranting about Nintendo because that's what I do. That ain't gonna work. I'll be right back. Hey, Tony. Sorry. Just for everything. Sorry. <laughs> Just a general apology to, to close personal friend of the show, Tony Rose. Dear friend of the show. Dear, dear friend. Okay. Okay. Let's make sure that this is recording properly. So I'm saying this. So we're, we're posting this uh, live for everyone to watch right now. And this will be live. Uh, the show will actually start in a few minutes here. Uh, you can shoot comments here. We'll comment back to you. Um, but we are also recording the audio 
um, for the actual episode when we post that uh, in case people can't be here watching it live. So what I'm doing right now, I'm hearing our voices now. Oh, <laughs> the recording's playing. Okay, cool. We're recording. We're getting a level. I'm going to delete the test. Delete. Okay. Okay. Still look okay. okay. So, in just a moment, we'll kick this shindig off properly. Just a bit outside. <laughs> Major League references are always one. Always. Because you always have the tendency to like focus on the just when you're like just a moment, so it always reminds me of that just a bit outside. Kind of payable, just a moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Pam. Also, hey, quick shout out uh, slash recommendation. I just watched Horror Noir on Shudder. It's a documentary all about the history of black horror cinema. Um, Super awesome. Stay all the way through to the end. You get to hear um, um, Tony Todd. Not Tony Todd. Uh, from uh, The Thing. Oh, shit. Keith David. Yeah. There we go. Uh, and uh, the dude from uh, the original Dawn of the Dead singing uh, Monster Mash. It's awesome. Uh, okay, this thing is posted, so we should be able to comment back on people. Cool. So, um, if I figure out how to do that, is that to make a comment? Or now you're just watching nerds <laughs> click on stuff on their computer, engaging stuff. I know. Comment. Right now. Oh, comment. Then. Uh, well, I don't want to watch a comment. I want to read other Well, there's no comments here. Well, why not? Uh, I think the comments are going to pop up on the phone right there too. Damn, this is what I wanted. Okay, you wanted the. Uh, it's weird because I think we're on like a five second delay or something. Yes, we are. And I'm going to turn the audio down on that so I don't distract myself. Okay, so for reals now, the show is going to start in three, two. That's right. Nerds and geeks and dudes and dudettes and whatever adjective I can't think of right now. This is your weekly dose of all things nerdy. As Don Bacon just told you, this is another episode in person this week of Talk Nerdy to Me. Uh, I am your host, Captain Chris. Nope. Uh-uh. No. Can't, can't allow it. One day. One can't day. allow it. Can't <laughs> I'm Obi-John Kenobi. Joining me, my Julian. Right. I am Julian. I'm not Julian. No, I'm not going to stop I'm you, man. Julian. Cool. I Julian. Be, no, I don't want to be Julian. I'm, I'm, be, be who you want to be, man. I don't have the firearm levels. Uh... I mean... Aim higher. To, but. Be, to be Julian. I have way too much hair. It's the whole collection right there. It's yeah. a big one. Be Julian. <laughs> I am Obi John. This is the most creatively named man in all of podcasting, Koron. Uh, and we are the uh, the last two holdouts, apparently, of Todd Nerdy to me. Um, Julian is recovering from. Um, <laughs> nah, I, no. I don't, I don't know no. how to. to don't, it's, don't. Um, Just don't. Um, he went to an exotic trip to Mustafar. And got a little too close to uh, the lava volcano, and some things got singed off. So he's recuperating. Uh, I hear top-notch uh, medical care coming to him. Uh, and then uh, Captain Chris, the real Captain Chris, is on assignment. Still on assignment. North of the wall, uh, some White Walkers are reported. So he's checking that out. Why do White Walkers, man? 
because that's what they call them on Game of Thrones. Whatever. Whatever. The Others. What? You can't say that. That's from the book! <laughs> that's nerdy! I'm not racist. I watched a documentary about Black Horror, right? That's how it works? No, that's and not? this okay. has been talk nerdy to me. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Peacock Puts His Foot in His Mouth. Don't worry, it'll happen Isn't again. that moist enough down in the comments section? <laughs> <laughs> it is. We're going to shout names out live now. So, again, Tony, I'm sorry, and uh, uh, Moistadon. What's that, bro? Uh, <laughs> this delay is killing me. Uh, so, this is Tot Nerdy to me. Um, we're trying something new with the video. We'll see if we keep doing it. We probably will keep doing it. Um, but I'm dumb. I don't know how to do live shows otherwise. So, that's how we're doing it this week. But... Your actual show this week, which we might stay on topic because there's just the two of us. Um, <laughs> Tyler says we're all just having fun. Um, oh, Dr. Jones in the house. Dr. Jones in the house. No time for love, Dr. Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, today, uh, we've only got two topics, but one of them is kind of a deep dive, and it's something that is dear to both of us. Oh, like Tony Rose. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, our first topic this week, or is there any housekeeping to get out of the way that I'm forgetting? Housekeeping. I can't think of anything yet. Okay. So. Okay. Um, if you're in the Lexington area, we're about four weeks away from Lexington Comic Con 2019. Uh, the Western Kentucky Ghostbusters will be there, uh, and you'll be able to see, I think, three-fourths-ish of the show. If you come on out to that, we'll be around. We will officially be there. Yeah, we will. We'll officially be there um, <laughs> in an official capacity. Um, thanks, uh, Lexington Toy and Comic Convention, for hooking us up with tickets. Um, we'll be there as press, so come find us and tell us whatever the magic word of the day is that we'll come up with later, and you'll get a free prize. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, it's kind of wrong. Um, so uh, we'll start the show. Yeah. Start the show? We're going to start the show. Our first topic this week. Um, uh, how to come at this. Our first topic this week, it, it's an idea I had kind of based off a previous topic we had. Um, we love movies that tend to become franchises. Yeah. Movies that tend to have multiple sequels. Um, and and sometimes good, sometimes bad. Mostly bad. There's a thing in the biz called the uh, Law of Diminished Returns. Um that that's uh, actually going to be the topic of my or the name of my autobiography. Uh, so I'm the second Peacock child. Uh, but there's a thing in Hollywood. Every uh, they brought it back with the trilogy though. <laughs> every successive movie, uh, it used to be anyway. You bank on it making less than the previous one did. That's what law of diminished returns means. Um, it. it it's meant to refer to how much a movie gets for a budget and how much it brings in. Uh, sadly, a lot of the times it also has to do with the quality of the film you're watching. Um, but regardless, there are some gems out there. Um, and we love a good horror gem uh, or any movie gem. I don't know why I just went right to horror. Probably because it's the first thing on my list is a horror movie. Anyway, so this week's first topic is what I'm calling the best of the rest. Um, movies in a franchise other than the first movie, and, and I'm also going to kind of rule out the second movie because there's a lot of good second movies. Um, but, uh, so think franchises like, uh, Aliens, I think is the example I used. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Alien is a franchise that has, uh, depending if you include the Alien vs. Predator movies or not, six to eight movies total. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of those, Two are really good. 
the rest are varying degrees of shit. Um, so, and I don't have it on my list, but uh, I would have to pick. So, regarding or, or dropping out the first two movies, I would say probably Alien Covenant is maybe the best of the rest. Here's uh, my, like, I, yeah. I would actually argue with you on that. I would actually, okay, I would okay. probably say Alien Resurrection. I know it's terrible. I know it's bad. But it feels like it's at least self-aware bad, like the other ones aren't aware of in the situation. Okay, okay. Because, like, you know, especially the Alien vs. Predator 2 movies, like, aren't... Again, if you count those or not, because they're not really canon, but yeah. But they're trying so hard. They are. The only reason I would put Covenant ahead of, of uh, first of all, Alien 3, we've, I've talked about that ad nauseum on this show, um, it's... A classic how not to make a movie project. It could have been great. There's 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 a comic book right now from Dark Horse that took one of the could have been scripts from Alien Three and they're just making that as a comic. Uh, it's one of those movies where for decades we'll be getting what it could have been kind of stuff. Uh, Resurrection, you know, I, I'm emotionally scarred uh, with Alien Resurrection. It was the first Alien movie I got to see in a theater. Um, I kind of conned my dad into going to see it, and it's the first time I ever heard my dad comment on a movie out loud while watching a movie, and it was just two words. So stupid. Uh, so, <laughs> the is, what were you supposed to go see that day? We were supposed to see Starship Troopers, the theater misprinted showtimes in the newspaper. So we got there to see Starship Troopers and found out it wasn't still playing, but I'd gotten my dad to go to the theater uh, willing to take me to one rated R movie. I can't waste that opportunity. Resurrection had just opened that weekend, so I was like, Dad, let's go see the new Alien movie. Because at that point, I didn't know any better. Uh, that was, ooh, ooh, yes, question, yes. question. Uh-huh. Uh, going on 22 years later, which one of those movies do you still watch? Between Alien Resurrection and Starship <laughs> Troopers? Yeah, I don't think I need to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, the, the resurrection is weird. Uh, they had a French director who didn't speak English, and they had a script from Joss Whedon, but not a whole lot else from Joss Whedon. That, that stupid newborn thing at the end, I hate. Anyway, uh, I, I would put Covenant there just because love it or hate it, it's not a great movie. It's not even a good movie. We it's not a clutched out our example. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Okay. I can't help myself. No, that's fine. fine. Uh, but just, uh, and so that's, anyway, we're doing the best of the rest. Um, movies, uh, the lesser movies and franchises that we still think are good and worth a watch. So there was my first one, apparently. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for me? Uh, my first one is actually a series where I don't really think any of them are quote unquote good <laughs> movies. Um, and my whole thing here is, uh, you know, I, I, 2006, I think, is what it was. Like, being so excited about this premise, being so excited about this movie, and then it just didn't deliver. A year and a half, two years later, whatever it was. Um, So excited. So ready for a sequel. It's going to fix everything. It didn't. Then, I think it was 2011, the third one came out. And uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you. uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon. It is the best of the four Transformers movies I've seen. I haven't seen Bumblebee. I've heard it's just good across the board. Um, But out of the five main canon, because I refused to watch the fifth one when uh, resident um, Transformers nerd uh, Paul (laughs) texted me as soon as he left the movie and just said, good lord, that was bad. 
Um, and really, the only thing that, in my opinion, saved Dark of the Moon from being better was the like the fight scene at the end of the movie in Chicago, which is the, the entire third act. Other than that, like... If, if nothing else, Michael Bay knows how to do spectacle, and yeah. the third act of Dark of the Moon is some great spectacle. Yeah. Uh, I remember walking out of the theater of that and being like, wow, that was actually a good Transformers movie. I think, I think part of what helped that is it was shot in 3D, because mm-hmm. that was when 3D was making a comeback, and because of the technical restrictions of 3D, Michael Bay didn't get to go full out Michael Bay. Uh, they had to kind of put some restrictions on them, uh, and I will firmly stand by the fact that restrictions make better movies. Um, if you need further evidence, look at the opening shot of what Jaws was supposed to be, but thank God the shark didn't work. Um, yeah, no, good pick, man. That's, that's, I wouldn't have gone Transformers, but he went there. <laughs> um, so my first one, this is weird, because I'm going to talk about horror. First. My first official pick. <laughs> I, I turned the example into one, because I can't help myself. Um, I'm a late bloomer to the horror genre. Uh, um, Koran and Captain Chris and some others are helping up my uh, my horror IQ a little bit. Um, I keep hitting the cord and moving the camera. Uh, <laughs> so... I discovered this one very recently, like last year recently, um, and I also watched most of the movies in this franchise recently. Um, yeah. There are, to date, correct me if I'm wrong, 12 Friday the 13th movies, including the remake, the lost episode of, of Supernatural, as we call it. Uh, hold on, there's 10. <coughs> 8 with Paramount, Jason X... Jason, Jason Nine, or somebody else, a different company. Freddy vs. Jason. And then... The remake, yeah. Okay, 12. okay, 12. There we go. 12 movies in this franchise. The first one, obviously, is is um, the one that started it all. I would argue the first three are worth a watch because it takes those three to get to the, the Jason, Jason you think of. Knows. Yeah. Um, but... So even if you start at three and then go on, there's, again, 12 freaking movies. Um, the one I have to go with as as my personal favorite Friday the 13th movie, part six. Um, and I know some people might be looking at so part six is the one that, um, well, that's the second one that brings back Tommy Jarvis. Uh, <laughs> completely recast, looks nothing like either of the other two actors. Um, it's the, they tried to set Tommy up as the new killer going forward. No one wanted that shit. So they tossed it out. It's the one that starts with Tommy driving to the cemetery to dig up Jason's corpse to destroy it, to make sure he doesn't come back. And he ends up pulling a Frankenstein and resurrecting Jason. Uh, the whole movie start to finish is complete tongue in cheek. It knows exactly what it is. It's not trying to hide what it is. It makes jokes at itself. Uh, it's, it is, Tyler's impressed by what you know off the top of your head. Um, start to finish, it, it, it is, does not take itself the least bit serious because it's Friday the 13th part six. No one takes this seriously. Um, there's one point where, um, a guy, uh, I think it's the, uh, the, um, we call the guy that watches the cemetery, not the gravekeeper, the uh, the but the groundskeeper of the cemetery. Uh, he's he's there the next morning, and Voorhees's tomb uh, uh, um, grave has been you know dug up and whatnot, and he's he's griping to a sheriff about damn kids and vandals and whatnot, and he literally stops, 
looks to camera and says, some people have a real twisted sense of entertainment. Just short of winking at the camera. Uh, I loved that. Uh, I binged all the movies in one big sitting because I got that box set. Uh, and by the time I got to six, I needed a breath of fresh air. And that's exactly what part six was for the franchise. How bad five is. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a soft spot for Freddy vs. Jason, but I am, I almost, I've got a hard time calling that canon. Yeah. Cause it's fanfic. Is canon as any of the movies really are. Cause they all kind of just ignore stuff. Kenny, no one wants to see us take a shirt. Yeah, off. No. Um, but thanks though. I feel loved. Uh, it, yeah, it, it again, it's it's my personal favorite. I can't argue it's the best. Um, I think it is just because it, it's it's the most fun I had watching them. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, this is a series that I've very recently just finished as a whole, and we're going to start doing spinoffs this summer. The Fast and the Furious. Uh, I still stick by the fact that they, they should have just called Hobbs and Shaw 3-I Joe. Um, <laughs> because it would be the third G.I. Joe movie. <laughs> I don't apologize for how I'd bad buy that, that for a dollar. I <coughs> don't apologize for how bad that joke is. Uh, never apologize for bad jokes um, on the show. That's all we have. We have a lot of them. It's, we have several. <laughs> it's just going off of... Uh, just going off of everything about... That series and how much they jump the shark, especially in like the later six, seven, and eight, when they're like jumping, when they're driving cars out of planes and submarines are showing up and all that kind of bullshit. I, I think at that point we've really kind of gotten over our heads, and you know everything's about family. Uh, I, I will stick to this though. Um, one of the most fun times I've had in a movie theater, you were there, Fast Five. It was the resurgence of these are hokey car movies to this is an action franchise. Yeah, I, if we ever do a topic about franchises that reinvented itself. Uh, <laughs> so we're just going to, at that point, we're just going to talk about Fast and Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned, I, I don't know what movie I would put on that list, but there's definitely, like, those movies started out exactly like we talked about at the top of the show of, of uh, diminished returns of, like, there's a steep dive after from, like, one to two to three. Uh, and I really thought after three, I was like, okay, good, we're done with this franchise now. This thing is run its course. Yeah, it's done. They tried to do like that rebuild to keep it still kind of car focused with Fast and Furious. Yeah, I mean, they, they four, I kind of give them as like a free pass movie because they finally got the entire original cast to sign back on, which yeah. is obviously what they wanted from the first place. So I was like, all right, fine. You got everyone to come back. Fine. This will make some money. And sort of but they just kept going and going and going. But yeah, five is the one that really, it completely changed genres. And, and now we're up to seven eight. plus eight, 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 eight plus a spinoff. Oh God, yeah. I keep forgetting about that one. Yeah, uh, they, they started off stealing DVD players. Don't forget your roots. The most recent one had a submarine. That was remotely controlled. And a scene where two guys fly in, in squirrel suits onto a plane and they get into a shootout with a baby and, and yeah, it's uh But I mean the Yeah. The the like laundry list of action 
people in these movies now, especially you, most recently you've added Idris Elba, The Rock, Jason Statham, Vin Diesel. Um, I guess you, you could argue Paul Walker kind of did some action-y stuff when he was alive. Mm-hmm. Tyrese did some action stuff in like the 90s. They've just kind of turned him into a one-note <laughs> joke. I can't believe I'm trying to defend Tyrese of all people. A big ass oh, Michelle Rodriguez is a hell of an action star. Yeah. She's a hell of a... She's a, she's a hell of... She's a good character actor. I'll give mm-hmm. her that. If you need a tough chick for your movie, you can't do... She's the same character in Resident Evil and Fast and Furious. All of them. So... Um, no, good pick, man. That's... Uh, I'm glad someone said that franchise. Yeah, that's, um, my next pick, um, sort of dipping a toe back in the horror genre. It's more of a monster movie. Um, so this franchise, God love it. The first movie is sort of like sacred territory as far as movies go. It's one of those like everyone loves it because it's a damn near perfect movie. Um, you get why they tried to make sequels, but none of them seem to work. Um, Predator. Um, the first one is is amazing. You can't argue against the first one. It is everything that is amazing about 80s action movies. It is Arnold at the top of his game. Um, but specifically the movie I'm talking about is Predators with an S. Um, the third straight movie in the Predators. Again, not counting the Alien vs. Predator movies. So there's four Predator movies. There's six if you include AVP. Uh, and I guess this would be the third uh, uh, Predator film. I don't remember where it falls in terms of like when the AVP movies came out, so it might be like fifth, whatever. Um, this is the one that had uh, Adrian Brody in it. Uh, it kind of flips the concept of the first movie. Uh, a bunch of random soldiers and mercenaries uh, and, and killers are snatched up off Earth and dropped onto this planet that ends up being a game preserve uh, for a bigger group of Predators. Uh, I don't get why this movie get so much hate uh when the predator was about to come out last year people kept shitting on oh, all the predator sequels are terrible all the movies are bad except they were like did you guys forget predators because it's fucking badass my, my only issue i ever had with that movie was the fact that they gave lawrence fishburne second billing and he's on screen for like seven minutes well he's a big name uh you, you gotta do that uh, but uh no I, I don't get the the hate that movie gets because i loved it i love the idea of, of swapping the 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 original story around in the first movie you have a guy a squad of guys who are a crack unit they work together perfectly they communicate without speaking it's awesome this one is a bunch of people who don't know each other don't trust each other but they've got to work together to survive that was a cool element to play with uh it expands the predator franchise or uh uh, mythology because it introduces a new clan or a new race of predators um, it gives you like the Falcon or Predator. It has at one point there's a Yakuza enforcer having a sword fight with a Predator. Goddamn right. Yeah. And people hate this movie. Uh, it also has one of my favorite offensive jokes of all time. Please share. <laughs> when Walton Goggins says he can't wait to get back to Earth because he's going to rape him a fine bitch, he's going to look at his Rolex and just say, "Oh, it's fine bitch raping time." <laughs> It has Walter Goggins, so you know it's on Julian's list. Uh, no, it's got a great cast. I thought it was really fun. Um, it was shot practically. There's guys in suits. It's not a fucking CGI fest like so many movies are nowadays. Um, it was shot incredibly fast. It was produced by Robert Rodriguez. Um, I love it. I don't get why I get so he much hate. He did not direct. He produced. Okay. He, he wrote the screenplay back in like 98. 
Um, it didn't get picked up, obviously. Uh, and then for whatever reason, like 10 years later, they were looking to do a Predator thing and dusted his script off and approached him with it. Oh, he, this has been propping up a coffee table. Yeah, he, he didn't have time to direct it, but he rewrote it because uh, the 99 version um, was interesting, I'll say the least. Um, and then he hired a guy named um, Nimrod Antal, I think. I don't know how you'd forget a name like that. Um, but uh, he directed it. Um, so, yeah, the Predators, uh, uh, I don't get why it was so terrible, but I loved it. Oh, <laughs> the, the, the director's killing me. Uh, Tyler says we can't talk about offensive Predator jokes and not include the first movie. So, Tyler. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say those jokes uh, because I don't support that guy anymore. Um, any other best of the rest movies? Or you- uh, I've got... One more. And shoot us would we have people following us on Facebook Live. What do you think? So we're talking about best of the rest. Um movies that are not the first or even the second in their franchise, movies that are way down the franchise, but still are pretty good. Um so let us know what you think. We've we've talked about uh Friday thirteenth part six, Predators, Fast and Furious five. Nimrod Antol. How do you forget that name? Nimrod Antol. It just jumped right out at you. I have one more, and this is more of a uh, a sentimental favorite because I kind of in- enjoyed everything with this and having to being in the line of work I am. I deal with insurance assholes all the time. Uh, talk about the laws of diminished returns and talk about like how good a series started off and the nosedive it took. You have to talk about Saw. Uh, the first two movies, I, I, I genuinely think are good. Those are the only two I've seen, so I'm just gonna uh, um, give the rest, see the rest of my time to the cover. Until they like, they start introducing like, there's a cop that's in with it. Jigsaw's dead. Like everything is just tying back into like certain levels of bullshit. But if you actually like take all of the cop drama and garbage out. And just simply look at the actual, like, saw traps and stuff. I think Saw 6 is a lot of fun. Um, Again, I'm not saying it's a great movie. I'm not saying it's a good one. But if you rank the now eight Saw films, eight if you include Jigsaw, um, I would say it goes one, two, Saw 6. Again, I like... This isn't something I'm recommending if you have, like, don't run off and watch Saw 6 right now. Um, If you're sick and you're at home and you need to kill 90 (laughs) minutes, turn it on. This wasn't my best pick. It was just, like, I should have gone with this first and then gone. Like, I I diminished my own returns with having those first two good picks. It's a law for a reason, man. Me on this topic. (laughs) Uh Again, I've I've only seen um, the first two, and of that, I only really remember the first one, which I watched a pirated version of in Captain Chris's dorm room back in college. Uh, and he had to narrate the first part to me because it was a crappy cam version, so we couldn't see what the hell was happening. Also, uh, uh, memories. I guess one of the other things we could talk about, because you've seen all these, I think, haven't you? Um Paranormal activity? I have. Yeah. Hey, Jen. Mrs. the Captain. 
but yeah, I would definitely say that if you were watching like those, I, the first one's great. I think the second one's even okay. Um, the one that I thought was, I don't even know if I would say it's the best of the rest, but uh, I really like, I thought the marked ones looked like garbage upon trailers, upon like every idea, every premise and everything. And then I watched it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, What's what, what's the thing I always say? It was better than it had any right to be. You need to get so, that a t-shirt, man. Yeah, I really do. Um, yeah, dude, I... There's, uh, what, six movies in that franchise? Three. They stopped putting numbers after the three. No, 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 because there was marked ones. Three, marked ones, four, four. And then the Lost was Dimension or Ghost Dimension. Ghost Dimension? Yeah, okay, so that five. That's the last one. Six. Six, six. There's okay. A, there's, no. an actual, there's an actual Paranormal Activity 4. I always forget that one because it didn't do shit to move the story forward at all. No, the one I like, I agree with you with the franchise. Great pick. Um, my personal favorite is three. Three is good, too. Because to, to me, those movies, the Paranormal Activity movies were all about what specific gimmick do they have this movie? The first one was just the, it's the stationary locked off camera. It's the found footage thing. Uh, that was, you know, kind of set that tone. The second one, they went with the uh, security cameras in the house. So we have multiple rooms, multiple angles. It was much more cinematic. Uh, the third one, and it's a simple, simple gimmick, but they used it so well when he mounts the camera on top of the oscillating fan and it just moves back and forth like this. So you can only see one room at a time. That gimmick worked gangbusters. Yeah. Um, and, and that it was set back in the eighties. Uh, and that one actually kind of went back and filled in some of the story. It like, there's a reason to watch three, um, four, there's no reason to watch. It just confuses the timeline. Really what I would do if I was recommending those movies, I, I... I don't hate four, like it's okay from a standalone mm -hmm. perspective. But like if you want the condensed good story, one, two, three, mark ones. Yeah. Uh I really want I'm sure someone already has, but I'd love to see like a fan cut where they cut everything in uh um chronological uh, yeah, order. Yeah, chronological order. Uh that'd be cool. Because they jump around that a lot. But uh uh so my last pick, um, and I am prepared to defend this one. <laughs> um we talked about this franchise earlier. Um, it's one of those where I believe we are firmly in the category of there are more bad Terminator movies than there are good Terminator movies because there are two, exactly two, good Terminator movies. Um, <laughs> yes, the rest are on this category, so there you go. Uh, three is complete dog shit. Oh, Don't waste your time so or money bad. on it. Um Gen Genesis, Genesis, Gen that one. Genesis. Yeah, that one. Genesis. Uh, we're just gonna misspell a word because it's cool because it's the nineties. Um, yeah, the movie came out in twenty like what fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I don't even? remember. Who gives a shit? I, it's not nineteen ninety five. Everything we're not putting like we're not misspelling anything. Everything cool about that movie happens in the first. 20 minutes and the trailer everything yeah. cool in that movie happens in the trailer no, 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 just the, the entire idea of, of multiple timelines overlapping that was really cool in Genesis Genesis is not my pick by the way um, but I'm yeah, I can't help myself like the, that whole like old Terminator showing up in like the, the first movie like that was cool but that's just the first 20 minutes of the movie and then we're done with that and then we're right back to every other uh, Terminator movie which is we have to stop Skynet you're not going to because fate the the wrestling chant of this is bullshit. Yes. Don't do 
don't get me started. So, my, my boy wrestled for 62 <laughs> minutes last night. I, I wasn't there for that. 62 minutes uh, on SmackDown. I support Kofi Kingston. New Day. Um, New Day rocks. No, the, they do. They ain't booty. Uh, no, my pick is actually the only sequel that really tried to do something different. Terminator Salvation. At the time, it got marred and all the Christian Bale yelling at a lighting guy controversy crap. Um, I think that really hurt the film because I honestly think, watch it again now, it's a really good movie. First of all, it doesn't have time travel at all because we're done with that. We've done that. Terminator 2 is already basically a remake of Terminator 1. We're already getting into wonky timey-wommy territory with that. So Salvation doesn't even try to do time travel. It is set all in the post-apocalypse, post-judgment day future, which is the movie fans have been clamoring for since we got that awesome action scene in the second one where it's all in the, the future war. It's not quite the future war yet because they wanted to do a whole series of movies, and so we don't have the cool purple laser cool purple lasers and whatnot. Um, cool purple lasers. We were, yeah, the cool purple lasers. <laughs> we were getting there. Um, Anton Yelchin as Kyle Reese was fantastic casting. I would have loved to see him progress to the to become the Kyle we know. I just want to see him in more stuff. I literally bought Thoroughbreds because it's the last movie he filmed. <coughs> we miss you, Anton Yelchin. We really, really, really do. Um, Watch Green Room. Watch the remake of Fright Night because it's amazing. Uh, and it has no right Tom to be. Watch Odd Thomas. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to look at my notes. Uh, I'm just going to talk about Anton Yelchin. That's fine. Watch the Star Trek movies. He's good in those. Okay, that, that's all my notes on Salvation. No, I really like Salvation. I know it's not a great movie, um, but it, it tried to do something different. It doesn't rehash the time travel shit. It isn't a stop Skynet in the past to stop the future from happening because we can't have that because it's cyclical. Uh, as soon as the second movie happens, the time is like on a loop. Yeah. It has to happen that way, or I mean that—that's why I hate Terminator Three because if Judgment—if they stop Judgment Day, you remember Back to the Future when yeah. Marty has to save the timeline, or he goes—he fades away into nothingness. He has that photo that he just keeps disappearing on. If Judgment Day doesn't happen, that's what happens to John Connor. He just fades away into nothing because his dad's from the future, so it has to happen. That's why three is garbage because everyone's like, oh, that ending is so great. And I'm like, if you went to T3 and didn't think that's how it was going to end, you weren't paying attention. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done ranting. I'm sorry. Salvation gave us the future war. Um, it would have been cool to see whether they were going with that. Again, it, it, it's it got a cool plot to us that the trailers killed. So if you haven't seen the trailer, if you forgot that movie even existed, don't watch the trailers. Don't. Just go watch the movie. And I mean, I'll say it... it really encapsulated the feel of like it, it had a it had its own feel to the post-apocalyptic world too it didn't kind of like rest on the laurels that a lot of them do of just like overgrown trees and zombies <laughs> which zombies wouldn't have made sense there but zombies are really right now so yeah. <laughs> um no i really enjoyed salvation uh it also has the only way I ever want to see Arnold Schwarzenegger as a Terminator CG. ever again. Uh, yeah. They, they just superimpose his face. They got a body double and they used footage from the first Terminator movie. Uh, spoilers. I know I said go watch it if you haven't seen it and I was spoiling it, but whatever. Um, Arnold shows up in the movie, but it's it's the original 84 Arnold, not 
however old he was, whatever year that movie came out, Arnold. Uh, it's a really cool moment. It's a really cool jump. Um, but I, I, again, my Terminator viewing is T1, T2, Salvation, and then I'm done. Yeah. That's also the only ones I own. Um, Sarah Connor Chronicles, you can suck it. That show is terrible. We have a gif. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, any other best of the rest? Not off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. I know we've done a lot of movies. Do you have any video games? Oh, God, yeah. I, I figured you might have a few. <laughs> best of the rest on video games. Um... Of course, there's the greatest uh, Zelda game ever, which is Ocarina of Time. Link to the best. We had this debate on the show. I won. That's Therefore, great. the official greatest Zelda game of Talk Nerdy to me is Ocarina of Time. I'm the one who even did the video for its 20th birthday last year, so... Um, Metroid Prime 2. Uh, the the second one in the Metroid Prime series. Um, so it's and, Prime, like a... a segment series Prime is basically when it went first person oh okay okay Um, okay. and you know Metroid Prime also just gets the whole thing for bringing back for all intents and purposes what was a dead franchise uh, on GameCube and making even by today's standards uh, Prime Prime 2 and Prime 3 kind of it was a Wii exclusive so I wasn't crazy about it but just beautiful first-person games. It was great to actually get into the suit. And I mean, it was one of the first things where you ever really, like, you would see reflections of Samus in her visor. Oh, that's cool. On different parts of the game. Like, Halo didn't introduce that until the third one, and they came out, like, eight, nine months apart from each other. Hmm. Um, that's a big one. Uh, I don't want to talk about Resident Evil again, <laughs> because I've ranted <laughs> about that series for so we long. We love Resident Evil 7. And 4. Four brought it. I mean, kind of like they changed the game on it and everything. But yeah, seven. You know, I, I I think the greatest thing that ever happened to Silent Hills being canceled was it gave us Resident Evil Seven. So, uh, sorry, seven's awesome. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and throw out uh, uh, God of War Four, even though it isn't called God of War Four, but the newest one. Um, and I'm biased. Yes, I'm biased because it's God of War, but it's Norse mythology, and Norse mythology is the best mythology ever. Um, I don't think you can see it, but I'm literally wearing a shirt that says it's hammer time. It has Mjolnir on it. So, um, it's in Vikings colors, too. I, I, I bought I it. So um, God of War 4 was awesome. It, it totally reinvented what the game was, but also delivered everything you remember from the game, which is a hard trick to pull off. Um, Resident Evil 7 did it. Um, let's see. Street Fighter 3 Third Strike uh, is what Tyler Jones says. I haven't played that one because he knows I'm terrible at fighting games. Um, but if Tyler Jones says it's a good fighting game, it must be pretty awesome. So I'm going to agree with you on that one. Okay. The, the Tyler statement. Yes. I also yes. haven't played Third Strike. Our resident fighting game expert, Dr. Jones. Oh, he did introduce us to the one of the greatest fighters of all time. Dive kick! Dive kick. <laughs> Uh, Fallout 4 New Vegas I haven't played New Vegas so I can't argue against yeah. it um, yeah uh, I'm sitting here trying to I mean, I'm like racking my brain See, video games are a little bit different from, from movies and that so we, again if you're doing the law of diminished returns thing uh, in, in movies 60 sequels make less money they, they get less of a budget to work with so there's kind of that you know diminished quality video games is kind of a little bit of the opposite if you make a good game and it does really well and you get enough to make a sequel usually 
usually you fix the problems with the first one and it gets better as you go. Um, Mass Effect series is like that. One, two, and three are just a steady progression of, as far as gameplay anyway, uh, um, get better each time all the way up to Andromeda. The gameplay in Andromeda is fantastic. Say what you love about the graphics issues and the story and whatnot. The gameplay was fantastic as the series went on. So video games are a little bit different. I think I think it's actually kind of inverse. Um, the longer a series goes with video games, the, the better it tends to uh, get. Far Cry 3. Far Cry 3 was a big one for me. The, the first one on the original Xbox was a ton of fun. The second one was kind of garbage. I wasn't crazy about how, like... I know Julian liked the the primal one. I thought 5 was just... The the, the thing is, and they, they had the same... Comp- I have the same complaint about those that I have... That a lot of people have had about Zelda games until Breath of the Wild, which was... Wash, rinse, repeat. It's in Zelda. Find item, battle boss. Go to dungeon, find item, battle boss. Whatever. Um, and with, you know, Far Cry 3, 3 introduced the premise. 3 introduced this awesome premise. And say what you want about Voss being killed and the other person taking over halfway as the boss. I think that was also a terrible idea. It was a moronic thing. They built up the idea of one of the most iconic villains and definitely that generation probably all of gaming and then but the whole thing is they never because the the difference between two and three is like this the difference between three and everything else is like this they just they found a formula and they stuck to it and now like they're doing what every franchise or doing what several franchises have done when it gets old and tired take it to the future who gives a shit it's and you know Far Cry Five was basically just was that Far Cry Primal. No, uh, no, well technically yes. Okay, Primal was the fifth one in the series. Oh, okay, okay, but, but it was the game called that's Far actually Cry called Far okay. Cry Five. Okay, okay gotcha. Uh, Far Cry Five is the one where you had to kill like the uh, um, white supremacists. Oh, okay. Which I hated a game about killing white supremacists, and y'all know how I feel about Nazis. I love Nazis. Our official I hate stances. Nazis. I Our official stances. I love Fuck killing Nazis. Nazis. Love killing Nazis. Death to all Nazis. Uh, yeah, that's why we like the Wolfenstein franchise so much. I was just going to bring that up. Uh, I just finished playing. Um, so was it New Order and then Old Blood? New Order and then Old Blood. Okay, okay. I got I got the two pack of that for uh, Black Friday. Fantastic first person shooters, uh, and nothing relieves stress and makes you feel good about yourself, like giving Nazis to business. Just it's so good when you see a room full and you just throw a grenade. Because Nazis are the universal bad guys in every franchise. You can kill Nazis all day and not feel guilty. They're like the robots. Remember Ninja Turtles when they had to change the Frick Clan into robots for the cartoon so that the turtles could like beat them up and, and parents wouldn't outcry about why did Leonardo cut that guy's head off and stuff like that? Because they're robots. Yeah, because they're robots. They should have just made them Nazis. No one gives That's a what Nazis are in movies. You can you can lay waste to... Even, even uh, um, uh, Indiana Jones' Last Crusade, when they were trying to like kind of tone things down a little bit because people were livid about Temple of Doom and how dark Temple of Doom got. There's still a scene of Indy grabbing uh, 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 I think it's an MP44 MP, whatever, a German submachine gun and is hosing down a bunch of Nazis and then tossing the gun to his dad and saying, don't call me Junior! They stole it as a joke because you can kill Nazis and no one cares. No one cares. I don't <sighs> give a fuck. How did we get on this topic? Far Cry 3 is amazing back on topic simply because it gave us Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Blood Dragon was fucking Which is the greatest 80s game never made in the 80s. 
Uh, oh, the main man. character's Brutal voice force is up there. <laughs> oh, bro, force. <laughs> uh, the main character is voiced by Michael Bean. And people who watch this show know I have a soft spot for Michael Bean. All the weapons are weapons from '80s action movies. Your pistol is the RoboCop gun. Um, the whole thing has a crazy vintage uh, '80s vibe. Uh, it, it's it's in the project. It's got to be painted. I, ha I have one. Um, of course he does. It's a squirt gun. Um, so yeah, that's our best of the rest. Uh, any other? Yeah. Okay. Um, Tyler Jones also wants to give a shout out to for non-fighting games Final Fantasy IX. Um, I've played exactly zero Final Fantasy games because I hate turn-based combat. So <laughs> I I feel the same way, and it's hilarious because we both play D and D. And yeah. D &D is just turn-based combat. Yeah, but you get to roll dice, and it's 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 in a group. I enjoy D and D because my group actually plays old-school pen and pen, pen and pen, pen and pencil and paper, rolling dice. We're all together. Um, I mean, there's the, roll is it roll twenty, roll twenty, roll twenty. It's a fantastic service <clears throat> if you're playing with people who are far apart. But there's nothing like playing with a live group. Oh yeah, it's I've been playing D and D with the same group. Most of the same group for over five years now. Yeah, that's, that's Dragon Glass. Don't cut yourself with that. Oh crap! Uh, Captain Chris was supposed to bring that north of the wall to fight the White Walkers. He's gonna need that. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, have you seen Off Topic? Uh, Johnny Walker did a specialty bottle that's Johnny White Walker. Huh. It's, it's got a wraparound uh, white rate, uh, white label. I can't talk today. Uh, and it has the, the Johnny Walker, but it's, it's the um, shit, the king of the, the White Walkers. I forget what it's called. The Night King. Uh, and it has this, it's got the color change wrapper, like, you know, like Coors Light when the can's cold, the mountains turn blue. The whole label's like that. So when the label gets blue, it says, uh, I think winter is here. That's actually pretty fucking rad. I don't even like Game of Thrones. I don't even like Johnny Walker that much. But it's awesome. And Dr. Jones, you should get a bottle. Because um, you still have a Johnny Walker Black in my cabinet waiting for you, buddy. Um, that's it for Best of the Rest. <laughs> um, I, so, here we go. Today's big topic. Um, and one that I felt was only appropriate for the two of us to, to do together. Because I feel like, I know the other guys say this, but I feel like their hearts aren't quite as in it as mm -hmm. ours are. I know Captain Chris would not subscribe to what we're about to talk. We're about to but do... he's not here. No, he's not. Uh, we are about to do um, another segment of Is It Just Us? Um, <laughs> to refresh your memory, previous Is It Just Us's uh, have included Is It Just Us or Does Stephen King Suck? Is it just us, or is Batman and Robin not that bad? And, Don't I mean, forget the one that fell on the cutting room floor of the episode that never got uploaded. Is it just us, or was the Attitude Era overrated? Which we're going to have to redo at some point. Yes, we will. Uh, so that should set the ton of where we're about to go. Now, this week, we're not going to try to tear something down. Oh, no, we're not. We're going to build something up. Yes, we are. That shouldn't need it. No. But we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the greatest comic book. No, no, nay. The greatest movie mm -hmm. ever made in the history of cinema, in the entirety of the world, since since Kodak or Edison or whoever wants to claim first took a moving image. It was perfected in 2002 with the release of Blade 2. Yes. Today, 
our final topic. <clears throat> We're going to spend some time telling you why it's not just us. Blade 2 is the greatest movie ever. And we're not kidding. No. Uh, here's the thing. I've unabashedly loved this movie since I saw it in theaters. Uh, I was there. Seven, because it came out in early 2002. Mm-hmm. So, like, 17 years ago, I have bought this movie twice on DVD and now twice on Blu-ray. Um, like, it, it's just... It, if you even look at it from a director and writing standpoint, David S. Goyer wrote and Guillermo del Toro directed it, so the visuals of the movie alone are phenomenal. The The writing's great. The All the character makeup, because it's Guillermo del Toro, is outstanding. And it's just mesmerizing to even look at. There's even a feature where you can watch the movie on the DVD or Blu-ray where you can watch it with just the score and no actual audio, and it's mm. awesome. Who put that one up? Is it Arrow or... No, no, that's now? just on the regular Blu-ray. All right, then. Stay corrected. Usually got to buy a specialty Blu-ray to get that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, no, I don't disagree with anything Koran uh, uh, said, and that doesn't happen a lot on this show. Um, I'm a little more structured in mine, so... There are certain goals, I'm certain not, things. Hear me that's fine. That's, that's fine. Uh, chime in whenever you feel like it. There are certain things, uh, certain criteria every sequel should strive to accomplish. Um, first of all, you got to repeat whatever worked with the first film. You're a second film. That means the first one did something right. You got to repeat that. Uh, second, you have to expand on the world the characters live in. So the, the make things bigger. And I don't just mean like the set piece is bigger. I mean open up the world of these characters more. Explain more of the backstory, more myth- uh, mythology. Give us more. Um, you've got to up the ante as far as stakes go. Sometimes that means bigger stakes. Sometimes that means more personal stakes. And yes, stake, pun intended. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's played too. you got to have bigger stakes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not done. Uh, and then lastly, it has to stand on its own. If a sequel is too dependent on you having seen the first movie, um, it fails. Because it should be able to be viewed as its own movie. If you want an example of this, outside of the movie we're about to talk about, or the movie we're already talking about, look at Aliens from James Cameron. Perfect sequel. You can pop that in without having ever seen the first one. It fills in whatever information you need from the first one organically through the the story of the movie. It doesn't rely on flashbacks or uh, an opening montage or any of that kind of shit. Um, Blade 2? Same thing, man. You hit the ground running with, honestly, probably one of my favorite opening scenes in any movie. The, The Blood Bank with Nomak. And it had a tough bar to live up to because the the opening sequence of Blade, the first one, is perhaps the greatest opening sequence, nay, perhaps the greatest character introduction ever. Yeah. They, uh, I was watching, I think it was like Watch Mojo, What Culture, one of them was doing a a video about greatest, uh, it was like greatest movie moments of the 90s. And they... Cut on the wire again. And they like it, it was mid range on there, and it was the they they well it was the the rave the rave scene from Blade Two, or Blade. Sorry, 
automatically just say Blade Two because it's, it's okay. the greatest movie ever. It's okay. Um, but yeah, the the introduction to uh, with Nomak in the blood bank, and you've got that like drug addicted guy next to him. He's like, they even take blood in the jar. And it's like, How it re- plays on your expectations of it. It's just to say, we're going to ruin Blade Two if you haven't oh, seen it. Yeah. So if you want to preserve your your virginal viewing of Blade Two, stop listening to us now and go watch it. Uh, if you've already seen the movie, you're good to go. Uh, here we go. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it that opening segment, it in and of itself is basically like a short movie. Yeah. Uh, it tells a complete story. It plays on your expectations. It plays off of your expectations. Uh, it delivers the goods. It sets up uh, what's going to be our villain. And one of the reasons this movie is amazing is because it has a fantastic villain. Um, but it doesn't give so much away that you're bored the rest of the movie. They're like, no. oh, well, now I know everything about this guy because there's no. Like, it, it, it gives you almost no information about this guy. Yeah. All, all, you, all you see in the opening scene is... Nomak's taken back to this room, and, you know, like, you see these... It becomes apparent very quickly that this is a vampire. Um, like, they're draining blood from people to for sustenance. And, you know, they're, like, looking at all these, like... One dude puts on this, like, Freddy Krueger-like glove with these, like, five big needles on it. And they just talk about... Uh, and, you know, they've got Nomak, and they, like, tie him down to this chair and stuff. And then... When you like, when he's like screaming, it just turns into this laugh. And the thing about it, because like you notice at the beginning of the movie, is he has this scar right here. But you think, at the risk of sounding shitty, Eastern European, it's probably gonna have some bruises. Um, so and then like, the, I remember it scared the shit out of me the first time when like the chin opened. And then he, like, clamped down on the dude. And then there's that, that visual where he throws the dude up against the wall and then just, like, bites him. And there's a like, blood splatter everywhere. And again, the room they even take him into, because it's a Del Toro film, just looks terrifying. It's it's full-on uh, hungry Del Toro. And by that, I mean, like, he was still kind of apt to make a name for himself. Um it was the first Del Toro movie I'd ever seen. Uh, yeah. I think the same thing was said for most people. Um, I think the, the, the only thing he'd done up to that point, or the only big thing he'd done up to that point was like Kronos. Yeah. So. That I'm aware of anyway. I'm sure something else down the line. Um, no, that and, and, and as if that wasn't enough of a start, you transition from introducing our main character in what we've already described as basically an amazing short horror film. Uh, we then get reacquainted with our hero, Blade, in... A full out balls to the wall, blade taken out of vampires action scene, uh, which then turns into a little bit of a, a no, no montage. It, it, it then um, retcons one of the I don't want to say bad elements, but one of the the more unnecessary elements from the first Blade movie. Uh, we retcon Whistler killing Whistler himself. being dead, yeah, which is a big retcon. Um, but they but handled it well. They do. And, hey, comic books retcon stuff all the time, and Del Toro wanted to make Blade more of a comic book movie. What better way than to retcon a character back to life? Yeah, um, they, they they talked about it, because I think it was when they, it was like Ryan Reynolds or someone was doing an interview, and they were like, no, if you look at the progression of how they, like, the vampires disintegrate or stuff, it's like, in the first one, it's a very, like, one step. It's bam, ash, bone. In this one, it was like kind of like four layers. You see, like the first thing you see, exo. You see skeleton, and then, or you see, I guess, like 
It's skin, muscles, bones, dust. So it was cool to see a progression of how, like, when he's blasting these vampires and stuff, that it just goes balls to the wall. And they even upgraded, like, levels on that. And uh, just that, the fight scene where they're... Uh, think it's in the the warehouse where they've got like the cocaine that's cut with blood so it's red <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah i'm gonna get to the fights in a second um okay. but uh no so again so the, the 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 things i laid out that a sequel is supposed to do um um the the and i said to stand on its own and right off the bat he would say well john you said to stand on its own but the first part of blade two retcons part of blade one yes it does but my argument to that is would you rather not have two hours of Chris Christopherson being a cantankerous old man? Because it's gold. Uh, the relationship between Blade and Whistler is 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 pivotal to that character. Yeah. And killing him off in the first movie, while I get where they wanted to go for the story, uh, no, you want that back. Yeah. Um, and so, whatever. I'm fine with it. I don't care. It gives me Whistler. It gives me Chris Christopherson being the cranky old gunman. Um, I love that relationship between the two of them. Uh, it's that father-son thing that that drives the, the, those two characters on. It's awesome. I don't want to see a Blade without Whistler. Um, <laughs> um, oh, my notes are kind of scattered. So, so in more general terms... Um, like I said, it should be bigger. Everything about the movie is bigger. And the first one, and granted, a lot of this is because of budget. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of movie or money uh, to be given at the time by New Line Studios. You have a Marvel horror superhero comic book property. It's a slight miracle the first one ever got made. Uh, it's it was big, successful. Yes. And it, in 1998, comic books and superheroes were not profitable. Um, they had to kind of sneak it under the wire um, that it was a Marvel comic book property because um, those things. This is right after. This is right on the heels of. It was a nineteen ninety seven Batman and Robin. So at the time when you say it's a comic book movie, that's what people are thinking of. People think bat nipples. Yeah, and what could be more direct opposite from Batman and Robin than fucking Blade? And I mean, looking at Blade, you can almost see from the characters the design the look of the movie you can almost see a lot of stuff that was drawn into the matrix film a lot of that is black clothing with sunglasses but it was late 90s black leather was awesome <laughs> even the x-men did it um yeah valid point um <laughs> uh, i had a point so anyway yeah so the, the first movie was kind of limited by budget um which is not to say it's, it's a bad movie because of that but the second movie got a little bit more budget, had some more money to play with. And man, every dollar is on the screen because we, we kind of get a, um, the first Blade movie is all about, there's this whole world underneath yours that you don't know about. And we get a little taste of it. Blade 2, you get a whole buffet of it. Yeah. Um, the scene, again, where they're, where they're uh, literally, Blade gets a peek behind the curtain of the hierarchy of the vampire nation. Um, we learn, uh, you know, different glyphs mean different things. It isn't just like a house brand. Um, we get a, a peek behind the curtain of how vampires party again, uh, which, which was a great blood uh, cocaine. Yeah. And I thought that was also a really good throwback to, it kind of, I felt it was kind of paying homage to like, you know, the trance music rave style of the opening of Blade yeah. One. 
um, it, it, it does what you want. It, it, it definitely takes things bigger, progresses things more. It gives you more of that world. Um, and as much as Steven Dorff is hamming it up in the first movie, let's be honest, Nomak is a way better villain. And a hero is only as good as the villain they have to face off with. I don't think anybody had any any question that when Steven Dorff and Wesley Snipes were on screen together and started fighting, we know exactly who's going to win that fight. No contest. It, it, it's going to be... I mean, I'm not talking the characters. I'm just talking those two people in a room fighting. Uh, the sequel, Blade Two, does a lot to set up a proper antagonist for Blade. And by that, I don't just mean like someone who's as strong as Blade, like the third one tries to do with Dracula. Um, it, it's something. Yeah. It's Drake. It's Drake. Fuck that movie. Uh, <laughs> so two with Nomak, we get, again, he's the first thing you see. Uh, he's a whole new strain of vampire, which is awesome because yeah. here's Blade. Here's a guy who spent his whole life hunting and killing vampires and now we're going to introduce a new strain of vampire that A, is more powerful than the previous one, B, can feed off the old school vampires, and C, Blade doesn't know shit about. So Blade is now back to base level vampire hunting. Of, I don't know what kills these guys. Let's try everything. Yeah, because it was literally like he swords them, spikes them, shoots them, like does everything in the Blade repertoire. Even pulls out some tricks from the first movie, because in the first movie they introduce EDTA that, that makes you swell and explode. Yeah. And in the second movie, he literally has that like on his fists, where he just punches you and injects you with that stuff. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Um, it, it levels the playing field a bit. Um, it puts Blade back on, on, on the back foot a bit. Um, because that's the problem you have with when, you're, when your main character <laughs> is, is too powerful, what credible threat do you have against him? Um, so by introducing the Reaper strain, which is an awesome name and an awesome concept, a whole new, because again, what was awesome about Blade is vampirism isn't steeped in supernatural folklore and all that shit. Vampirism is a disease that's passed through blood transfer. They strip it down to that. So the, the next you know step in that logic is, well, okay, it's a virus. Viruses mutate. What does a mutated vampire virus look like? The Reaper's. And here's my favorite thing about the Reapers is it's very much based in part of the old vampire lore because as the movie continues and like furthers on and as you learn more about the the Reaper strain and all that, it's said that much like, you know, you would read about old vampires in books and stuff, if you kill the original one, all the other ones are set free. And you basically come to find out that if they kill Nomak, the Reaper strain's gone. It's dead. Everyone who's been infected with it is destroyed, or destroyed, freed. I'm not really sure. They leave that kind of ambiguous. Does Blade <laughs> commit mass murder? Um, well, he does, but that's... Yeah, probably still count. And I just, like... Or did, were you going to bring them up as their own thing? Were you going to talk about the blood pack? Yeah, we're talking about the blood pack. I, I didn't know if you were... I didn't <laughs> no, know, no, no, no. Yeah, let's I go. I don't know if you like... But again, expanding on the universe. Expanding on the universe, they, you know, the vampires basically hire Blade to go after Nomak. And they bring in these people, and it's this team. And the team features, like, 
some stupid actors. The cast is stupid good in this movie. We even have to, like, let's just touch on it. Blade has replaced Whistler with someone else. Uh, Scud. Scud? Scud. Scud. And it's Norman Reedus, who is, we're talking, like, post-Boondock Saints. Post-Boondock Saints, pre-Walking Dead. Yeah. So, don't get me wrong, he wasn't doing, like, a lot at this point. But, like, and this was probably right around the time that Boondock Saints, like, hit, hit, though. Yeah, yeah. So, you got that. And then, you got Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen doesn't even fucking talk in this movie. Doesn't but you have him. Uh, and then, oh, I'm sorry. Bonus, hold on. I know you're going, but hold on one second. The bonus of having Donnie Yen, not only is he a badass on screen, not only does he, again, fight vampires with the samurai sword, they also had Donnie Yen do fight choreography. If you wonder why Blade fighting Nemec in that old church scene is so badass, Donnie Yen choreographed shit. Nemec, not Nemec. That's what I meant. <laughs> um, and then, like, you have, I wouldn't say the leader because the leader was uh, Nissa. <laughs> the leader of the group. The Let's leader, not mince words The leader here. of the blood pack, Reinhardt. Is played by Ron fucking Perlman. The man who almost stole the show from Wesley Snipes. Yeah. And, I mean, it was just such a... You know, and... The, the scene. Just the scene where, like... He's trying to talk shit to him. And, like, he uh, he goes up to him and he gets... Uh, you know, he asks Blade, do you blush? And then, like, he sticks that thing. And he's just like, now you have an explosive device attached to the back of your head. Just like, what's up now? Also, Ron Perlman was like 50 in this movie, and you'd never even guess. Sorry, everybody at home. I knocked the thing off the thing. Technical difficulties. You keep talking. talking to me. Yeah. And I can't believe I just did that. That's on the internet forever. Yeah. But, yeah, just a... It's a team-up movie that you didn't know you wanted until you're seeing it, basically. Yeah. Um, again, it goes back to expanding the world and and everything a sequel is supposed to, like I talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I can't talk. There we go. Um, no, it expands the world. It ups the stakes um, because, again, you're not just hunting a bad guy in this. You've got an entire strain of new vampires. Blade's going to need a little bit of help. Um, so they, they rather than just, like the third film does, throw out a bunch of other vampire hunters to team up with Blade, they give him a team, but it's a team that was built to kill Blade. So the people he's supposed to be working with, he can't trust at all. That's genius storytelling. Because now you have no, and you know Reinhardt from the from the start is an asshole and he's out to get Blade, so you know that it's kind of contentious. But everyone on this group, you've got reason to be like, we can't trust There's some fuckery going on here. Uh, yeah, Blade is is always at all times surrounded by enemies, and that makes things interesting to watch. Um, let's see, uh, from some behind the scenes stuff. Guillermo del Toro directed this movie. I can't say that enough. Like you, it, the cinematography is gorgeous. Um, the set pieces are amazing. Yeah, the first film had a very muted uh, color tone through most of the movie. That was kind of the, the aesthetic they were going for. Del Toro, from the get-go, wanted to make this a comic book movie. Yeah. The first Blade very much felt like a goth kid movie. And, and part of that is 
timing. Again, 98, superheroes not, not popular. By 2002, they're picking up steam a little bit. You've had X-Men, the, uh... the first Blade. Spider-Man is just a year out uh, before this thing just, right, you know... Oh, Spider-Man was later in 2002. I thought it was a three. Mm-mm. X-Men 2 was 2003. There you go, whatever. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So, so comic, book, comic book movies started to become a thing now. Del Toro steers into that skit. He said, this is based on a comic. Why are we avoiding that? So things like... Sound effects. Guns don't sound like guns in this movie. They sound like guns in a comic book. Sound design was done for that. Um, everything is cranked up to 11. Whereas the first movie, everything was kind of like realistic and practical-ish. Uh, this movie was like, fuck that, it's a comic Hold book. Hold on, I'm sorry. You mean to tell me the... Uh, <laughs> you mean to tell me the movie with a shotgun that shoots um, silver stakes is over the top? No. Okay, good. good it's good. a normal shotgun and it shoots the stakes out from under. But anyway, uh, <laughs> no. Like, God, I love this movie. Yeah. <clears throat> it throws out, the, the, again, the first movie has that kind of like, it wants to be kind of gritty and everything's kind of grounded in reality. There's some fantastical elements, but for the most part, it's a fairly grounded movie. Two says, fuck that. We're a comic book movie. Let's be a comic book movie. Um, the weapons get crazy and, and, and slightly outlandish. Reinhardt runs around with handguns that have a blade built into them so he can literally slash people as he's shooting them. Um, blade gets an awesome new Mac 10. Uh, it's, it's, and I don't mean to harp on the weapons, but I'm, I love weapons. And he has a lot of, it's good weapon porn. Um, but the characters, their armor, the costumes, the sets, the, everything is just cranked to 11. It's a comic book movie. Let's be a comic book movie. Dude who has like, oh shit, what's his character's name? But the the big guy, the big bald guy, that's part of the light hammer. Yeah, uh, who's just using a giant war hammer? It's like this massive fuck off. Like it looks like something out of the Fable video game. with a spike on it. That's what a war hammer is. Yeah, um, and if you're an uber comic book nerd, this thing is littered with comic book references way before that was a thing. So first of all, the whole movie Scud is wearing a t-shirt that has what logo on it? BPRD, right? BPRD, which is the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense from Hellboy, which was Del Toro's next movie. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Norman Reedus' character's name is what? Scud, which is? Scud the Disposable Assassin. In that church fight between Nomak... Hey. <laughs> and played. Uh, if you look closely, one of the stained glass windows <coughs> is the Eye of Agamotto from Doctor Strange. Oh, shit. Uh, there's another one that I forgot now. Oh. I had four examples. Anyway, yeah, it's littered with nerd comic book references uh, because Del Toro is a comic book nerd. Yeah. Um, the action is all cranked up. Uh, yeah, the first one has some really great fight scenes in, in, um, Wesley Snipes got to show off his skills. The second one cranks that all up. Like I said, Donnie Yen did some of the fight choreography. Um, uh, even, uh, Snipes himself did some of the fight choreography. So all the fights are amazing. The cast is unfairly great. In addition to the return of Snipes and Christofferson, we get Ron Perlman, Roman Reedus, Donnie Yen. Um, the villain, again, who I keep coming back to is, is amazing. Uh, not only is he a badass... Uh, not only does he kick as much ass as the hero does, he's something we've never seen before because he's a whole new strain of vampire. So we have to learn the rules about how do we fight, how do we kill this guy all over again. And through the course of the movie, he becomes a sympathetic character. 
you learn his backstory. You learn what he's all about. You learn he was a member of the royal family. You learn that the, the Reaper strain isn't an accident. It was designed. Uh, the vampires are trying to make themselves better, and they accidentally came up with this strain, uh, and one of the royal family got infected with it. So he's 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 not just on a wanton path of destruction. He's on a wanton path of revenge. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> just, just throwing this out there, you're talking about the cast. Luke Goss, who plays Nomak, is... One of those dudes who deserves a lot better than he got. The only big budget films he's ever really been in were Blade Two, and then he was the twin brother of the Prince, whatever. Yeah, he, in Hellboy in 2. Hellboy Two. I mean, other than that, he's done this like laundry list of direct video action movies, but it's very much a scenario where he he deserved so much better than what he got. He was a he could have been like a good action star, and instead, I feel like. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He's still making movies. He dude probably has a bank account nineteen times the size of mine. But I just feel like he deserves a, a lot better than the hand he was dealt in Hollywood. Uh, at one point in the movie, he becomes the the protagonist. Towards the end, when everyone's been captured and they're literally about to harvest Blade for his blood, you the movie for at least one sequence changes its 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 hero. We now are following, now that we know the entire backstory, we follow Nomak as he's breaking into the vampire stronghold. It's a and really fucking good scene. It's an amazing action scene. It shows off what the Reapers can do. It shows off how dangerous they are. Um, it's and, and literally, the guy Blade's been trying to kill the whole movie. Our, our antagonist is now the guy we're rooting for because he's going to save Blade. It's crazy. It shouldn't work. A lesser movie would fall apart there because you're like, wait, now he's the he's the guy we're following? This doesn't make sense. But it works. You don't question it. It makes sense in the story. It's an amazing sequence. It's awesome. Uh, not a lot of movies can do that. And, and, and for as much as people bitch about the MCU not having good villains, and as much as that may be true, especially in Phase 1 and Phase 2, Man, Blade 2 nailed it with their villain. Yeah. And it's a guy they made up. It isn't like they took a character from the comics. That's why it's cool. They actually, the original plan was to have Morbius be the villain for Blade 2. And Sony decided to hold off on that. Because they knew they were going to make a Jared Leto movie 30 years later. Um, that's how I feel about that movie. That's how I feel about Jared Leto. Yeah, too. Um, I'm putting my thumbs down for anyone who's just listening to the show. <laughs> we got to quit doing that. Um, so, yeah... They, they from scratch, made up this villain and the entire Reaper strain, uh, and it works fantastic. It works beautifully. Uh, and that's something that, you know, most comic movies, we say, you know, stick to the, the lore of the books, at least as your starting point. Don't stray too far from that. Blade as a character, they pretty much reinvented for the first Blade movie. And that reinvention continues in the second movie. Uh, and, and to the point where... That version of Blade became so popular that it changed how Blade is in the comics, um, which is a rare thing, uh, but it's awesome. Uh, I can only think of a handful of times where a, a pop culture, a movie version of a character became so popular that they changed the comic book version of it. Um, Valkyrie in Thor, at least in one comic book, they changed to look like Valkyrie from the comic or from the movies. Um, Yeah, but uh, no, that's uh, it's awesome. That's that's that should be a testament of how great uh, this new version of, of Blade is, yeah. uh, and how Del Toro took what was done with the first movie and made it even better. Um, if, if I have 
Yeah, one go, more point go, I really go, want to no, please go. is one of my favorite parts of this movie, and one of my favorite things about this movie, is the bookend with Paul Heyman. Um, I mean, Rush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, there's this really, like, sleazy dude who they, with the first time you see Blade, a bunch of them are, like, running out. I guess they're, like, moving guns and also, like, drugs and stuff. It's this weird... Bad of, guy stuff. It's this weird henchman house, basically. <laughs> And, you know, Blade's using him as a human shield at some point because bullets won't kill him because vampire. And, uh, basically, Blade, like, runs off to, like, chase some other dudes. And he just looks at him and he's like, I'll get you later. Fast forward the very last scene of the movie. Two hours later. Two hours later, Rush is going into a jerk-off booth at a porn store. And, like, you see him setting down these razor blades. You see him, like, grabbing a bunch of tissues... And you see him like sit down and you just hear, ah. he like sits back in his chair and hits the button. The the thing slides up and there's Blade and he's like, told you I'd get you. And like, the line is, you think I forgot about you? Oh, there it is. Uh, and like, right. And it does the perfect cut to credits. Like right as soon as the glass uh, or right as soon as the blade hits him in the head. No loose ends in this movie, man. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Telling you. That's another reason why it's the best movie ever. Is it? It wraps things up, man. Uh, puts a bow on stuff. It's good. It's uh, you. You leave the movie feeling like you've been on a ride and you've had fun. Um, <clears throat> it gives Blade a character arc of sorts, um, which is the first one kind of does. In that, it's about. I guess the first one is about him learning to stand on his own without Whistler. I don't know. Uh, it's about being okay with who you are because he doesn't need a serum. I don't know. The second one <clears throat> is about Blade learning how to trust. Um, and it doesn't come easy. And uh, it takes a while. And uh, um, it doesn't exactly pay off for him at the end either um, because he trusts some people he shouldn't and he doesn't trust some people he should. And, and it's great. Um, it... it, it you feel like the character has changed by the end of this, uh, which is more than I can say for some other superhero movies where the, the main character is pretty much the same all the way through. Um, and that's 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 what the movie should be about. And you get, like, almost these weird kind of dual final scenes for the movie where he, like, takes... Uh, where Nisa, Nisa? Nisa, whatever. Nisa, uh, he's, she's going to die. And then he's, like, carrying her out because she wants to see the sun because she was born a vampire. Devastatingly beautiful scene. Um, yeah, like, surprisingly beautiful for Blade 2. And he carries her out, and he's, like, holding her as she fades away. And it's probably where, like, a third of the CG budget went to. It was the scene <laughs> of her fading to nothingness. And then, you know, flip that to the jerk-off <laughs> But... Um, both of them work like they they know yeah. they they wanted to end the movie on the high note, so they did. But but yeah, like a very uh, you know sixteen seventeen year old me going in to watch Blade Two would not have expected a emotional scene like that. So, <sighs> um, trying to think what we haven't talked about from the movie yet. Um, now, so again, things a sequel should do. Repeat what the first film did. 
or where people worked in the first film. It's got that in spades. It brings back Chris Christopherson as Whistler because it knows that's an important element. Uh, you've got Wesley Snipes back. Uh, it carries the story forward. Uh, expand the world the characters live in. Again, you get to see so much more of the world, the, the underworld of the vampires in, in the second movie. It's talked about and hinted about in the first one. You get full out. I mean, literally, he visits like the vampire, whatever, castle, stronghold. He meets the head of the vampire nations who looks like fucking Nosferatu, which is awesome. The yeah. makeup, the makeup in this movie, as you would expect from a Del Toro film, is on point. Um, uh, up the ante as far as the stakes go, pun intended. Uh, the first one, he's he's stopping a blood god from being reborn. And granted, yeah, that's kind of big stakes. But Some motherfuckers always turn nice scale up hill, though, John. They are. Uh, and it, it is, while that may sound like a bigger threat, it really isn't because it's Stephen Dorff. They talk about a vampire blood god the whole movie, and then it's Stephen Dorff. With some red contact lenses, and I think at one point some like uh, flubber blood. Some very, very bad, like ninety-eight CGI, <laughs> and they didn't really have money for the CGI. To Blade with. CGI, Starship Trooper CGI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the second one, uh, as far as the stakes, again, it's it's not about stopping a god from being. It's this runaway strain of vampires that are literally going to annihilate all human beings. The, the the last thing I want to touch on is you talk about how comic book it is, and it is very much so that to the point where it even has a bunch of, like, comedic lines. Blade calls uh, Reinhardt Nipplehead because he has that explosive <laughs> device attached to his... Forgot about the that. Back of his ah! No one wants to see just you. Sorry! <laughs> and then you've also got, um, like, all the back and forths between Whistler and Scud. Where he can't call him the right name. He calls him Puke. He calls him Scuzz. Uh, he calls him Junior at one point. Like, it's... Because he's the cantankerous old yeah, man. He's the cantankerous old man. And it's just, like... I love a movie that's self-aware. And this movie's very, very much self-aware. It knows what it is, and it's preaching to the choir. Uh, I forget where I was at. Uh, so, yeah, ups the ante. Again... It's 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 this strain that's going to destroy all humanity, and then like they say to Blade or Blade, like, well, what do you care about that? Again, they can feed on vampires too when they're done killing all the humans, or when they're when they're done going through all the vampires, they're going for the humans. This is a this is a out of control um, contagion that is run amok, and they can't stop it. And Blade's got to that's that's big stakes, man, and and it's stakes you can put a stake in. So it's good for an action movie because it's always good if you're an action movie when you can solve your problem by punch it, stab it in the dick. Uh, Maybe not stab it. Well, yeah, why not? You don't know until you try. Um, And then it stands on its own as far as the story goes. Um, I'll deduct a fourth of a star uh, because they do kind of retcon some 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 stuff from the first movie mainly. Whistler, uh, but it's worth it. Uh, and other than and, and and again, even even that is fully explained um, as to who Whistler is, why he's important, what's happening. You don't have to watch the first movie. You can jump to Blade Two, and the whole story makes sense beginning to end. Yeah, because they they even cover what happened with Whistler in Blade One when he goes to yeah. check on him. Uh, you don't miss a, a beat. And, and any sequel should be able to stand on its own as a movie. Um, 
And it, it, it just... Really going to test that theory in April with Endgame, though. Really going to test that theory with Endgame. God, I'm going to have to give Endgame a pass on some of these, but we'll <laughs> find out. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it is criminally underrated uh, on both Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. It's a uh, 57% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a crime. It is the highest rated Blade movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and Metacritic gives it a 52 with a user rating of 8.7 out of 10. It's honestly like IMDb is the best place if you want a good opinion, and I even think it's still too low there, but IMDb has it at a 6.7. Uh, I'll give you this. Some of the CGI hasn't held up that great. Um, it was a modest budget in 2002, so it's 2002 budget uh, CGI, but it doesn't rely on the CGI. Uh, the CGI, is, I would even argue, sticks out that much more because there isn't a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, so when it does pop up, like, oh, there it is. Uh, it's a lot of practical effects. It's a lot of makeup. It's a lot of guys, you know, doing the, the choreography. Um, and and it's fucking Blade too. Yeah, we're gonna go with the the Dave Meltzer rating on this one. He always rates wrestling thing wrestling matches on a scale of one to five. Unless you're um, Okada versus Omega. So we're going to go on that ranking and give Blade 2 6.25 stars out of 5. The math adds up. It really does. It, 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 math doesn't lie. Um, so that's our argument. Or argument that, that That's our, our truth. irrefutable truth. That Blade 2. That's our sermon. <laughs> yes. Uh, we we talk about this movie all the time, and it's kind of an in-joke with us. We've, we've done it on the show ad nauseum, but seriously, it's an amazing movie. Um, if we haven't just spoiled all of it for you because you kept listening even though you haven't seen it, um, go check it out. If you haven't seen it in a while, and Watch it again. maybe we're bringing up some stuff that you forgot about, go check it out. Yeah, I really, you, you mentioned it earlier, you have no idea how much I would love for like Arrow Vestron, someone to do a even even new line new line can do good releases man yeah. the, uh, the lord of the Rings stuff are packed with special features again it's just it's, it's a matter of are they going to make any money off of putting it out again and i don't think it's sound it's going to happen with, yeah. with sadly with blade 2 uh that's why i'm super glad i grabbed my d my blu-ray copy uh with all the special features because for the longest time that was one of the hardest DVDs to find because the were, two disc set yeah, they were find. two different versions and I remember being at Best Buy because I can't remember what happened I think he, like I either gave it to my cousin or you don't need an excuse to be at Best Buy it's okay no 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 because like, <laughs> I went there specifically to buy uh, Blade 2 and I had the single disc version in my hand and then I found the two disc version and I was like I was looking at it and I was like I just want to watch the movie and it's $8. But this is $23 and has everything. I had, because there were two slightly different covers. Because the one disc had kind of a cropped movie poster cover. Mm -hmm. And the two disc had the full movie poster cover. I had that memorized because it took me forever to track down the two disc copy. Um, but thankfully the Blu-ray has all the special features from yeah. the two discs set on it. So. And if you do, like, I think it's kind of hard to just find the Blade 2 Blu-ray on its own. I think, like, Best Buy, FYE, Target, they have the three-pack. I would recommend, uh, switching Blade 2 with Blade 1 on the single part. 
and then moving Blade Trinity on top of your copy of Blade 1. That way if something gets scratched up and isn't going to work, it's going to be Trinity, and who the fuck wants to watch that anyway? Take Trinity and put it on your coffee table. It makes a great coaster. Uh, that's the only thing it's good for. Uh, yeah. And Captain Chris isn't here to argue against that. Gosh, Blade true. Trinity sucks. It's real bad. How not to make a third movie. Right, not as bad as Alien 3, but... Before we wrap up, I just... Yes, I, yeah, I, yeah. I do want to touch on one thing. Not even about Blade 2. Um, earlier in the show, I got tongue-tied and said, I love a specific group of white supremacists. I think you all know that's not true. I fucking hate Nazis. I think I if he hadn't brought it up again, we'd have been just, okay. I just had to touch on it, man. It was one of those things that's been, like, eating <clears throat> at me in the back of my head. So, fuck Nazis. The only thing we hate right here are Nazis... And uh, Blade Trinity. And Blade Trinity. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, no one has piped up in the comments about arguing against it, so I assume everyone who's watching this show live agrees with us. And those of you listening at home, uh, if you if you disagree, then speak up. Yeah. No. Speak up. Uh, iHeartSandwich at gmail.com. Gmail do you hear anybody? Talking? I don't hear anyone talking. Talk. Oh, they can't because this is recorded now. But you can email us if you have differing opinions. You can always shoot us a message on <coughs> Facebook. Uh, if you see us at a convention, like the third weekend in March in Lexington, in historic downtown, downtown Lexington, Lexington Kentucky. Kentucky, you'll see us at the Lexington Comic and Toy Convention uh, four days this year. So your four-day pass. Actually, no, it's the fourth weekend. There are five weekends in March this year. The 12th to the 15th? 21st through the 20th. 21st to the whatever he just said. Mm -hmm. Come see us. Uh, uh, the 15th is like a week. Cause... What am I thinking? Whatever. Anyway, um, that is all the topics we had written down today. Um, we wanted to talk about Blade 2 for about an hour, and we did. <laughs> so we did. Um, thanks for putting up with us. Those of you um, who are listening to this after the fact, uh, every Wednesday at 7.30, jump on your Facebook. Uh, we'll be live uh, not always video, but we'll definitely be live somehow. Uh, uh, and join in on the fun. Because um, all the random comments and stuff that we're making are to people who are watching live right now. Um, but uh, if you're listening to this or watching in any way, shape, or form, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for listening to us rant about Blade 2. Uh, let us know what best of the rest movies you thought of that we didn't get to talk about today. And just throw it out there. If you need our... Um... Our website for Facebook to watch us live. It is Facebook.com Talk Nerdy, the number two me show. All one word. There you go. Um, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for contributing to those who were hanging out with us. Uh, Tyler Jones, I'm looking forward to our debate. And as always, <laughs>